0: no i guess tonight the wild thing 8th 7.04 p.m we're Right at the end of the dull period of sports as we're getting to the baseball playoffs which is always a good time and can you believe it? Uh, there's going to be preseason NBA games this weekend I believe and early next week wow wow wewa Yeah wow
1: Wow I know where did the time go? I missed it though. I'm ready. I'm ready for the for the league to be back. Yeah, the league, the association,
0: or unless you're talking about the National Hockey League. (laughs)
1: That's fair. Okay, the association. I want the association back.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, crazy times. Um, Yeah, why don't we talk briefly about the Celtics? Um, Probably, I think they were the betting favorite. At the beginning of the summer to win the whole thing.
1: Close, if not, if yeah. If not, they, were, they second. were right there.
0: Yeah. I uh, don't know what they are now, but I'm guessing it's not quite as favored given that their head coach is suspended for the season. Right. And another knee surgery or whatever for Williams. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I even forgot about that. Yeah. So bad news in Beantown.
1: I mean, I, I love bad news for being town. I I do in general, but this sucks. Like I was, I was an Eme fan, Mm uh, very disappointed. They ended up on the Celtics and, and so yeah, this, this whole thing though, I don't know what happened. No one knows what happened apart from, you know, the organization and the parties involved. Um, but it sucks. Mm -hmm. It just sucks. And it's kind of like, um, I mean, he didn't have a whole lot of, you know, he hadn't been around that long, but it's sort of like a, another fall from grace, right? When there's someone you admire who then turns out to maybe be a scumbag, mm-hmm. right? Like Brett Favre. It's, yeah. uh, it, I mean, you look at it right now, it's like, all right, this sucks for, this sucks for Ime, sucks for everybody. I don't know what he did. I can't judge him without all the all the facts, but everything points to some stuff that is pretty
0: shitty. Yeah, yeah. Fall from grace. Like Ted DiBiase Jr. <laughs> who's in the news again. I mean, we, we knew he was re- connected to the whole Favre, Mississippi welfare scam, uh, but I think he's... I don't know. I saw his name in an article recently that he, he said something about the former governor Bryant and that he was like picking and choosing charities based on like whether they supported him or supported Democrats. Um, So Ted DiBiase Jr. Wanted to be the million dollar man and like his father before him and then just had to (sighs) resort to scheming, which his father should be proud of.
1: I I agree. I agree. Like, and he was right. His dad was right. Like yeah, everyone has a everyone price. Everyone has a price. I mean, Brett so, Favre. Brett Favre, though. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, <laughs> but man, what, a, and it's, it's one thing to like hear about the allegations. It's another to see the actual text exchanges where the governor mm-hmm. is telling Favre, Hey, uh, this money's like pretty closely watched. Like how we spend it, you know, it has to, it's supposed to go and, and farv's like, come on, let's make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just, oh my God. There is um, there's no gray area. Like Favre knew, like he kind of he's he's BSed about this, the is money, right? Mm. That was one thing. The is money from that was COVID relief money, and he gave it back and still owes the interest. But The money that went to Southern Miss and like all like the volleyball stadium while his daughter was playing volleyball and all this, all this stuff. There's just no, there's no getting around it. Like he knew exactly what that was for. They have all the exchanges.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing like the way his brain was probably working during it, which is not a defense at all, is like I don't I don't think he even thought about the fact that it's supposed to be for welfare recipients and that he's stealing from people who need it. I think he was just worried in like his text exchanges about getting caught or if like they would it would be illegal. Um and he did get caught, but like god, no moral compass
1: whatsoever. No, and he's already, like, he's already rich. He's already rich. Yeah, like, what do you fucking need that for? He doesn't need the money and the crap that the money got spent on <sighs> didn't need to be done. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. Right, and then he got leftover, I mean, I, was that the speeches money that was left over? No, or there was also leftover money that he just kind of paid
1: himself, right? I don't know, yeah, I don't know all the, all the details, um, but... He's just—he looks bad. hmm Um, yeah.
0: Yep. Well, I could probably say that I rooted against him in both Super Bowls that he played in. <laughs> <laughs> so he's an AFC guy in those days. Uh, still am. All right. Um, back to some NBA stuff. Uh, let's of course talk about the Knicks. So you'd probably agree. I think that like. I'm I'm generally an optimistic Knicks fan about the 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 direction of the franchise, especially since Leon Rose took over. I've thought mm-hmm. he's done a swell job, very swell. And uh right now I'm not feeling that good.
1: I'm uh, Yeah, I mean you you shouldn't be, because basically the Knicks don't have what it takes to win. Mm-hmm. Um, Right, right now. And they also don't necessarily have the ingredients that it takes to win later. Um, Right. Like, like they're, they're sort of uh, in poker parlance, drawing her an inside straight here in like, in order for the Knicks to succeed, they need to have multiple young players like level up. Yeah. Right. They need... They need RJ to go to, to make a John Morant light style leap. And they need the other young guys to get significantly better. And then they will be a better team. Um, but organizationally, I don't see the commitment to that. Yeah. Top to bottom. I think because they still not- have Thibodeau. And so this is not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, and
0: that's, that's, I think, the key that the organization is not committed to. You know, if if this group of core players doesn't work out, I think I think they made good draft choices. It's fine; they don't work out. Um, right. But the organization is not committed to either rebuilding or winning now uh, and going for it. Or, or maybe they are committed to winning now, but they're not doing. They're not in a position to do that. Yeah, and as we said, like. In the wake of not getting Mitchell, which is I'm happy about, but it's just like now, what they and they've got a, they've got guys who are blocked by veterans like Julius Randle blocking Obi and uh, Evan Fournier. Uh, Thibodeau said he's got the inside track. It's starting at the shooting guard over Quentin Grimes. Which is it's like is it's the obvious Tibbs thing, right? And I think as you said when we talked about the Mitchell trade when he went after he went to Cleveland, it's like if we're gonna commit to seeing the young guys, then you gotta fire Tibbs, right? And uh, they haven't fired Tibbs, and I'm not sure. And we we talked about like the Art Howe kind of moves of like saving Tibbs from yeah. himself, but that's no way to run an organization. It's like you got to fire the guy, and I don't think they want to fire him. That's the problem. I think, like, Leon Rose likes Tibbs. I mean, not just likes him, but thinks he's the right coach, trusts him, and I think Tibbs even has a voice, like from everything I read, has a little bit of a voice in the organization, and he's not the only voice. He's not in charge, but he has a voice in their direction as a franchise. So it's just – it makes me now question – Leon Rose and what his plan is. Are they trying to get off Randall? Are they trying to move Fournier and commit to the young guys? Yeah,
1: I, I mean those are those are good questions. And I I guess you could make the argument that with Brunson coming in mm-hmm. as a real point guard, that he'll re unlock Randall. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if it's possible to get the Randall of two years ago, then this team could, you know, finish sixth in the East. Right. Like they, this could be like a good team. And I don't think it's possible because I, I thought that was like a special season and I expected Randall to regress to the mean, but you could make the argument, Oh, last year was the outlier. As far as you know, Randall's Nick years, and then he's going to come back, and here's the reasons why, and I don't buy it. You but can't you can't say it's the outlier when two out of his three Nick years have been bad
0: years. Well, I mean, maybe outlier yeah, for his career, but okay,
1: yeah, keep going. Yeah, it, it's 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 one of those things I think you can talk yourself into as an organization when the alternative is dumping him for. 75 cents on the dollar yeah most of which would be um draft picks probably and then um, potentially other blocking veterans I don't I don't even know who's who who they're looking for right now um who they would get for Randall yeah the problem like, first of all I would trade him for 75 cents
0: or 75 cents <laughs> on the dollar um yeah I, I think it's just addition by subtraction because he unblocks Obi Toppin. And Cam Reddish because then Cam could be the backup four, and you want to at least see what you got in him if you're not if he's going to be on the team in his last year on his rookie deal. Um, as you said, if you get some other veterans, Tibbs is probably going to play them.
1: I know. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I think they they must be convinced that that Randall is going to make a comeback. Yeah, I or they, like or they the want old. to try to not, regain his trade value or something.
0: But I think you're right that they they probably like Randall. I mean, remember when they they went to that uh, that Dallas Utah game one? They they brought their contingent there to, to like to meet and to greet, tamper to tamper basically. Like, oh my god! First of all, about tampering, we all know like it's it's kind of a stupid rule. It's selectively enforced. Every team tamper somewhat. It's not sure what really is tampering and what's not, but you know, kind of like, I i think, uh, well, weeds now legal in New York, but for a while it was decriminalized. That <laughs> People would just smoke on the street. You still don't want to blow it in a cop's face, <laughs> even though like they're, they're told not to make a big deal, not to, not to prioritize it, so like with tampering, a lot of things don't get don't you know don't get penalized, and the penalty is maybe just a second round draft pick. It's not the end of the world, but still, don't go don't go to a game with a sign saying I'm tampering, right? <laughs> so that pissed me off at that point for that reason. Um, but when they went there, their can their and their. Whatever their their team of ambassadors was, uh, Worldwide West. It was, um, I think. I don't know if Scott Perry was there. Oh, Alan Houston was there, and Julius Randall. I mean, in part because he's from Dallas, um. Although maybe the game was in Utah. I don't remember, but still, Julius Randall was part of the contingency. That was sitting there together, which which I would think if they wanted to move him, like you probably wouldn't send him there as one of your ambassadors. Yeah. So I got to think they're not. I mean, I have read reports that they are trying to move him and trying to find a deal, but maybe they're not so gung ho about moving him that they're going to sell him for 75 cents on the dollar.
1: I um, mean, Bojan Bogdanovic just went right. Yeah. Like Utah is. Utah is you know the million dollar mansion like everything's for sale right whatever you want from Utah you can have at this point so I mean I don't know that's a good point maybe, maybe Mike Conley um, as as sort of a veteran presence who doesn't mope all the time oh well
0: um, I I mean Utah's not going to make that trade they don't want Randall
1: well he's not going to get him wins they
0: don't want wins. <laughs> he's a good sneaky tank. T- he's a sneaky tank player. But no, they they don't want to put a veteran on the books who's not going to be part of their long term plans. Um, but 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 Bogdanovich did get traded for what seems like a pretty good deal for Detroit. I think they only gave up like well, they gave up Sabin Lee, who's okay, and like a second round pick or something. Uh, I would have thought they could have gotten a first round pick.
1: I would have thought. I would have thought so too. I don't know. He's yeah. a shooter,
0: man. Bo- Bo- Boyan's good. He's a perfect guy to have around Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. So there's, ah, I don't know. Maybe no teams want Randall. I'd I was. I'd be interested in, in, you know, maybe a three team deal because the Suns are trying to trade Jaden Jaden Crowder, Jay Crowder, um, for a different option at four. Maybe they think Randall's a good option at four. I don't know. Oh,
1: God, Tibbs would
0: play Jay Crowder 48 minutes sure, a Sure, that's why I'm thinking a three-team deal. Oh. Yeah, Jay Crowder would play 42. And Jay Crowder is, first of all, I'm not sure why the Suns don't want him. He's a pretty good playoff guy. Mm-hmm. And um, the type of team you're going to trade him to is the type of team like the Milwaukee Bucks or Miami or some team. Yeah, that Miami. He's that guy. So it's like, I don't know. It's going to be hard to trade him to another contender. Um, all right, and what was I gonna say about um, Tibbs? Oh yeah, another point. Um, front offices, if they don't have years of success under their belts, they don't. I don't think they get to hire a coach twice. That doesn't happen very much. They hire oh. Tibbs, and I don't think they want to admit that they were wrong um and I don't know if they'll get a chance to hire a second coach which is understandable yeah. but then it's like is is what what is Dolan who is he gonna is he is he gonna make a good decision of who didn't have leave the front office next I don't think so um so I don't know I I would hope because this front office has done some good things They've drafted pretty well, I think, and they have. um, They've made some nice, like, contract type of trades where they've like used contract space to pick up second round picks. And um, the trade they made uh, was was a little later, but it it was uh, right before this front office took over. But for um, getting trading away Marcus Morris, um, they've. I think they've. uh, they're finally a front office that evaluates talent well and evaluates what they're worth and like treats draft picks as important equity. So if this, if this front office was willing to move on from Tibbs and trying to pivot on their direction, I would hope that they would get the chance to do that. And I'm not sure that it'll happen.
1: That's fair. And I don't know who like who they would get. I know I, like guy, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably going to be Tibbs. I just, I, I mean, Tibbs is a fine coach for what he does, but he's not. He's not good for developing young talent. So, and that's what the Knicks need.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, I think, I think there's a chance this season's going to be really bad in terms of like, I don't know about their record, but and if like, because Tibbs is Tibbs is going to Tibbs. Like, you can't blame him. You you want him to do what he you don't want him to have feel like he's has someone looking over his shoulder. So he should coach the yeah. way he wants to coach. I think it's gonna get really bad in terms of the way Tim Tibbs allocates minutes. I think first home game, if Randall's not playing well, there's gonna be OB chance in the garden. There's gonna be fire Tibbs chance. There's gonna be a chance for Grimes and McBride or Cam Reddish or whoever. And it's just it's it it's a it's a situation that I think is about to explode. I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah. The I, only thing Tibbs I, can
0: hope for is that they actually win games.
1: Again, maybe, maybe they can. Maybe Brunson, like, mm-hmm. fills in all the gaps and raises everyone's level. And I, I don't know. That's another thing uh, I wanted to say. I
0: don't think he's going to unlock Randall or the version of Randall from two years ago, because that version of Randall, we've talked about this before, how he's such a hard player to build around because he's at his most valuable and at his best when he's like a 30% usage guy where he's like a point forward, basically, Mm -hmm. because he's actually decent at that for a guy his size. He's not great, uh, but he's, he's pretty good. And when you have him doing that, which he was doing two years ago and making solid decisions. He's a very valuable player, but with Brunson and you want RJ to do a lot of ball handling as well, you you want Randall to be like a 10 to 15% usage guy in that lineup. And when he's first of all, I don't know if he's willing to take to take a back seat and do that. And the second thing is if he's doing that, it's like what is he? Cuz he's not a good enough shooter to be just like He's not. it's re- no. not a huge like. He would have to be more of a post player, but like that's not good because you've got a traditional center and Mitch Robinson. Um,
1: yeah, I, I I don't I don't see it for those reasons. I mean, so, that's yeah. you know that's going to be Tibbs' job to figure that out. Yeah. Um, uh, I I don't I don't see it happening, but you know, <laughs> could be. It, it it could be. So yeah.
0: So, yeah, I don't think good things will happen. I, I don't feel like I could root for this team until Randall and Tibbs are gone. And uh, so that's why not feeling great about the Knicks right now. All right, let's talk about, let's go across the river to Brooklyn. Talk about the Nets. Uh, you know, everybody's there. Everybody seems like everybody's saying that they're happy and ready to go after after a tumultuous off season that didn't really do anything do you do you see the nets finishing as like a top 4 team in the east
1: um i could i could see it happening i don't think they i don't think they will um because you know before all the vaccine mm-hmm. drama last year Kyrie Irving still didn't play. Yeah, right. Like last year, he had like a different reason for not playing, but every other year, it's an ankle or it's foot or it's something else. Like Kyrie doesn't play. Yeah, Kyrie doesn't play. Kevin Durant's gonna get hurt. Kevin Durant's gonna be gonna miss twenty games. He's at that age now where he's gonna miss twenty games, and you know. I have no idea what Sims is gonna do. We haven't seen a team to play in almost two years. I mean, it's it, it's been a while for that guy. And that that I have just no clue. I, um so it seems like for the Nets to finish in the top four, just based on you know, the expected strength of all these um teams in the East, everything has to break right and it could I mean they have a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't seem like they're you know it doesn't seem like you're gonna get 70 games from Kyrie plus 70 games from KD and uh Ben Simmons that is engaged and happy and I don't know. Do you think uh there's a chance
0: that everything breaks wrong? Well
1: yeah yeah, I, I don't think they could fall out in the East because I think they're they're good enough, yeah, and they'll play enough games. I mean, more like
0: things breaking wrong where Kyrie decides he doesn't want to be there, and Simmons is having you know afraid to get fouled or has some mis- mysterious back problem, and then it's just like looking like it was this summer for a little bit again. I
1: think even under those circumstances, if they move Kyrie for, you know, Westbrook or whatever, I don't think that's going to, that's really going to happen. But if Kyrie doesn't want to be there, I don't know. I feel like he's not going to do that because he would be ditching Durant. I think they, I think they do want to play together. I think Durant, demanded a trade because like they, he felt like they didn't do him right. And they didn't do Kyrie right. And now it's like the best option for the two of them together is to just play. Yeah. Um Cause there's no one, no one can trade for Durant. Like clearly he doesn't want to go anywhere that can offer enough for, you know, the nets to want to let him go. And Kyrie's got a Kyrie's got to play for a contract. Yeah. I think they both realized that
0: this summer that this is probably their best situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you gotta, it's, it sucks. It sucks to say, man, it's either me or those guys. And then they don't get fired. And you're like,
0: okay, I guess neither (laughs) one of us.
1: Yeah. When they call your bluff. (laughs) But once you eat that crow, you know, then you just gotta move on. Right. You just, you just gotta go, okay, this is, this is the best basketball situation. Um, and I think Kyrie will probably play himself. If he can play, if he doesn't get hurt, I think he'll be playing hard. And I think he'll be playing cause he's going to be playing for money. Right. Mm-hmm. So then potentially he has the chance to go wherever he wants next year. And then they trade for Kevin Durant. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Deandre Jordan. And Deandre Jordan.
0: Uh, all right, yeah, I, I think it's more likely that things work out for the Nets this year because um, of a lot of the reasons you said that Kyrie just kind of has to play and if he's playing 65 games and KD's playing 65 games, I mean that's good a pretty good team right there and then mm-hmm. we'll see what we get from Simmons who fits I mean if he's healthy he fits in perfectly with them.
1: And Curry. Curry supposedly yep. healthy again. Joe Harris um, is healthy yeah.
0: is back this year. Um, yeah, solid team. Okay. Um, I mentioned uh, in a text to you that uh, on the NBA T, on NBA Tit today, that show with like Zach Lowe and Perkins and whoever else, uh, they, they fielded a question of uh, if you could have any game worn jersey from any game, whose would it be? No price included, whatever and I heard him talk about this on his podcast and I wasn't invited on the NBA today to weigh in. <laughs> uh, but we'll do it here. Um, and it could be any sport. I I have three. Um, you could have one, two, three.
1: How many I got, got I got,
0: I got three. Okay, let's do it. Uh, Any, if you could have any game worn Jersey. Um, from any time in history, from any player, what game would it be? What player would it be? Uh who's number three on your list?
1: So I wanted to have one in there um for fun. Mm-hmm. And um so I'm gonna take Josh Smith. <laughs> okay. Josh Smith from the 2015 um, series against uh, the Clippers, game six. This is the one with Harden on the bench in the second half. With Harden, with Harden on the bench and Corey Brewer and Josh Smith leading the Rockets to probably the greatest comeback, one of the greatest comebacks in playoff history. And in a 40 to 15 fourth quarter or whatever, epic, epic uh, Clippers collapse. Um, and I remember we were, I don't even remember, we were at Pioneers when uh-huh. that game was on and I was like watching it in the third quarter. I was like, Jesus, the Rockets are going to lose by 40. I was, I was so like, just so out on it. And then, and then they put it together and I was like, Oh my God. So yeah, it was, it was spectacular. So that's, um, that's, that's my number three. I love it. And I was not expecting
0: Josh Smith. I didn't know <laughs> who I was expecting, but I, but I love the choice. I love that it's like a very it's a sentimental one and it's not a superstar player. Um, and that's my third choice is something similar where I went with just pure like very personal sentimental value how I felt during the game, and of course who am I most sentimental about? I think you could already see the name behind me. That's Frank Nilekina. Um I would take Frank's jersey from. It was a game against the Pacers in his rookie year sometime in November where um, before, right before the season started, this was Frank's rookie year, the Knicks trade mellow. And for so long, so many fans have had to deal with so many terrible Knicks front office decisions. And usually those were of the sort of the Bargnani trade, trading draft picks for guys who suck or are mediocre, the trade for um, the trade for Eddie Curry or Marbury, C. Francis, those kind of moves, and then we and it was so clear for so long that you know Mello was past his prime and it's time for a rebuild. So they finally traded Mello, and it looks like we're finally rebuilding. And to start that year. Kristaps Porzingis comes out on fire. He's this was this is still the best he's ever looked in his career. This like few months to start this season. Uh, I believe the 2018 season, but um, I, I think that's right. Um, so he starts out crushing it. We have this game against the Pacers where they're down by nearly 20 points um, in the in the third quarter, halfway through the third quarter, and. And at that point, uh, KP starts turning it on. Frank starts turning it on. He's, he's, we have this, like, two-man game between the two of them. These amazing pick and rolls they're running. They're both hitting threes. And it's like, in that moment, I, I was watching on an iPad on MSG Go, and just, like, I knew as they started to come back, as they got to, like, within 10, that the Knicks are not losing this game and it really felt like okay we've got the building blocks and i think every nick fan felt it at that moment it was like we have kp who's going to be a all-star and we got another good player in frank and these two are going to be the core of like a young team that we watch grow together that we watch develop into like you know what what the warriors had what any what any fan really loves and wants mm-hmm. to have in seeing a rebuilding team and on that night, it felt like that's the night I fell in love with Frank. Uh, we know it, it didn't work out with KP and the Knicks. Obviously, it didn't work out with Frank and the Knicks. Uh, he's got a big year in Dallas coming. Prove it year. I think it, it's actually a career-defining year for him. I think this is... I don't know if he's going to get more chances than this.
1: Yeah, this could this could be... I bet he'll still bounce from him, but he might not get real minutes yeah. if he can't really go this year. Yeah. So...
0: Yeah, so that's my number three. Um, I wish I'd written down, like, the actual date and the game. But Knicks against the Pacers sometime in the fall, uh, Frank's rookie year. Nice. All right. Who's your number two?
1: Okay, so if you thought Josh Smith was... (laughs) (laughs) My number two is a guy that no one listening to this podcast has ever heard of. Do you think I've heard of Uh, this person? no there's no chance okay um uh, his name is Justin Ruckty. no i've not heard of Justin Ructy Justin Ruckty, and he was he was the he was a hell of a ball player he was he was a he was the catcher on the 2003 um world series champion price owls mm-hmm. um and the was he the battery mate for mark Pryor? No, he. They, Mark late. Pryor didn't go to Rice. What? Mark Pryor didn't go to Rice. Wasn't Mark
0: Pryor one of Wayne Graham's like?
1: He might have been, but it would have been before before Rice. Um, no, Roger Clemens was one of Wayne Graham's guys like back in the day, before Rice. Yeah. Wow. Pryor didn't go to Rice. Wow. What? What am I thinking? Okay, keep going. Talk about Justin so, Rutty. Anyway, so we end up winning the winning the World Series that year, which was awesome. Um, the the championship series was against Stanford, and that I was up, I went up to it, had a great time. It was it was awesome. But to get to that championship series, the last game before that, so the semifinal or whatever you want to call it, was against our hated hated blood rival, the University of Texas, mm-hmm. and it was dead even ball game late and the guy on the mound was Houston Street who went on to have it okay. was like a and <laughs> draft pick like long big league career as a as a closer best closer in college baseball that year and um Ruckty was like rapty was a good hitter he was he was solid but not not great like really great defensive, great called a great game and that was that was his thing but he stayed in there fought off i think 6 Um, yeah, I think six sliders or something. And then the seventh one, he knocked in his center field to, um, score the winning run. And I was at a bar, um, full of in Houston, full of rice fans and the place just exploded. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, people were like, it was their drinks flying. Like everyone's jumping, screaming, hugging, kissing. It was nuts. It was absolute bedlam. And it was just, it was great. It was like, even like, so I was at a bar watching that game and that was almost a crazier, more fun experience than actually being there for the next series, the one to actually win the title. Like it was great to be there when they won and awesome. But that moment was just Mm -hmm. all, all time.
0: So yeah,
1: Justin Ruckty.
0: Yep. Never heard of him. I can't believe I thought Mark Pryor went to Rice, and I just looked it up. I was totally wrong, and um, I always thought because I knew he had like arm problems,
1: I thought he was one of. Wayne okay, Graham's no, that guys. was that was definitely synonymous with Wayne Graham. Wayne Graham did right. have a lot of pictures. He was the Dusty Baker. He was of Dusty Bakers. I For whatever reason, I thought he
0: had the 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 twofer of Graham and Dusty Baker. But nobody could. Oh do that God! Rookie. No
1: one would survive that. Like, he <laughs> wouldn't even
0: have an arm attached.
1: Yeah. At this point.
0: <laughs> okay, so I was totally wrong, but I love that Rutky answer, and I love the the explanation of the experience of the bar with the the, the city erupting. Um. So my number two, I went with um one of the, I, I wanted to go with like a a team and a and a year that I watched one of my teams win a championship. And there haven't been that many in in my lifetime, and especially in my waking lifetime, where it was like my team that I followed all year that I love won a championship. Knicks never did it in my lifetime. Um, the Mets did it in '86, but I was four; don't remember it. Uh, eventually, I got the Denver Broncos in the late '90s. The the one the first one, um, and besides, there there was also some Miami Hurricanes football ones, um, but the first pro one. Was the New York Rangers in 1994. So I'm going with Mark Messier's guaranteed victory in games where he said, we will win tonight. Game six against the Devils. They were down 3-2. Down 3-2 in the series. Down 2-0 in the game. They score on a Messier assist at the end of the second period. Go into the third. Down 2-1 where Messier scores a hat-trick all in the third period, eventually leading to a Rangers championship, one of the greatest years of sports, 94, where the Knicks were also in the finals. The Rangers actually got it done, so I'm going with Mark Messier, Game 6, 94, Eastern Conference Finals. That was, I think, the biggest hockey has ever been. At least it felt that way in the New York area. But I think it was true nationally, too, around that time. And, Man, the city was in love with the Rangers.
1: Yeah. No, I get it. I I get it. That was that was awesome. That was awesome. And yeah, uh, that it's hard because you don't you just don't get unless you grew up in Boston, but you just don't get that many yeah. pro championships. Most people don't. So yep. Yeah. Yeah. Although one. really good. Um,
0: you know, being from the New York area, we've talked about the John Blue curse and how ever since you moved to New York, no pro team has won
1: a championship. Right? I think the decade now, September of 2012, I moved here. Wow. Wow. I don't know. I I think, I think
0: maybe this is the year it breaks. I mean, you got to think one of the Yankees or Mets.
1: Ooh, I hope not. I hope not. You're hoping it's I, not I, Yankees I, or actually I'm rooting Actually, I'm rooting for an Astros-Mets World Series, so sure. I think that would be all time. But I really want to see the Astros get one more, um, an untainted one, if okay. you will. Right. Um. So, but we'll see. But, yeah, it could be Yankees-Mets or, yeah. and or Mets this year. And, by the in, way, in the uh, Islanders don't count.
0: <laughs> Devils don't count. And I I think technically the Brooklyn Nets would count, but I don't count that. Cuz nobody in New York actually cares about the Nets. Doesn't count.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's got to be Jets, Giants, Mets, Yankees, Rangers or Knicks. Yes. Okay.
1: Who's your number 1 jersey? So it was it was tough because this was the number 2 was like that was probably my favorite, one of my favorite sports moments, maybe overall, but first and foremost, I'm a basketball guy. Mm -hmm. So like, it's gotta be, it's gotta be basketball number one. And so this is so growing up, um, I grew up in, you know, Southwest Iowa and all the good Iowa basketball players went to Kansas. So I always rooted for Kansas in college basketball. And I mean, they won in like 88, but I was young and really wasn't really following or whatever. But then like year after year, disappointment in the, the tournament until 2008 and those like immortal words, Chalmers for the tie. <laughs> right I don't, even, I don't um if if you ever watch this this was this was Kansas Memphis in the finals, and Derek Rose uh-huh. clanged a couple free throws and Kansas had like one shot at the end and Chalmers took it from the top of the key and just nailed it um a three pointer to send the game to overtime and then the then Kansas went If you ever just watch it, it is just like, it's magic. And I was, so where I was at this point, I was in Lima, Peru waiting for a, a flight home um, with a, a friend of mine. And I was at this bar <laughs> next to the airport where no one spoke any English mm-hmm. and no one had a rooting interest, but I was able to figure out, get the, you know, explain to the guy how to find the game. And so then all the like people who worked at the bar, because I was so into it, they were, like, into it and rooting for Kansas. And we were just – Kansas was so far down, like, 10 points down with two minutes to go or something ridiculous. And it was just over. And my friend left because we were actually getting close to, like, boarding time. <laughs> and, and so he left. And it was just me and a bunch of um, a bunch of guys speaking Spanish and, like, watching this game. And I was like, no, I'm sticking to the end. And then when Chalmers hit it, I was just – it was – it was it was the like the racquet thing the the hit was awesome but it like didn't win it and it wasn't my favorite sport like it was it was just and it and it hadn't i hadn't suffered that long like i only got to rice in the 90s right like with mm-hmm. um yeah with kansas it'd been a long time and i don't know it was it was it was huge so that was that's what i picked as my favorite a chalmers the chalmers Game worn jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, he went on to be pretty big in the NBA. Won it. Well, led the Heat to a couple titles. But yeah. led them. Um, led them I a mean, He was a the point those, guard. Yeah. He was the the engine of the offense. He was the guy in charge. Um, but yeah, that was. That's uh, like one of my favorite sports moments of all time. I'm. I mean, first of all, there there's maybe
0: nothing like a a NCAA tournament NCAA tournament buzzer beater. That's just like. Those are just magic moments, like like Jalen Suggs, even, or and plenty of others. Christian Leitner, of course. Um, I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping there's like a small, um, neighborhood in Lima, Peru, where everybody is just a Kansas fan, <laughs> and like nobody knows why, but we know why. It must have been so yeah. funny for them too, and it's like can't and I mean I'm sure that they were they were into it, which is great. And like Kansas is always like the the like example of the like middle of nowhere state in America. Right. So it must've
1: been funny for them. And there was like, honestly, it was a tiny bar and there were like no other customers. It was uh-huh. just me and the the workers uh-huh. who were, um, so the bartenders <laughs> and like the, you know, the um, bar backs or whatever. And it was- You go back and it's a Jayhawks bar now. And I then... Probably, yeah, probably. <laughs>
0: All right, so so my number one, um, I don't remember watching it live because I was four years old at the time, but I might might have watched it live with my dad. I don't know, um, but it then I soon when I became like a awake sports member, I was like you know would watch this over and over again. I alluded earlier about the championships. First was the Rangers. The second sports team I ever liked was, well, the first sports team I ever liked was the Mets. The second, because of the blue and orange, I decided my football team would be the Denver Broncos. And in my childhood, that's the team I cared about the most of any sport. And I uh, obviously loved John Elway. So I'm going with the drive in 1980, the 1986 season against the Cleveland Browns, the AFC Championship game. Iconic. Iconic game, iconic performance from Elway, um, who, of course, went on to lose that Super Bowl to the Giants, but, you know, he was at first, you know, notorious for always losing Super Bowls, but then eventually got his two. But that's his probably iconic moment. And in addition to being such a great performance from the fa- my favorite athlete of my childhood... It's just like the right side of the jersey and his whole uniform is covered in mud from like that Cleveland slop. So it's like even a cool item to have. So I'm going oh, with, yeah. with, with the a nice drive. That's nice Yeah. So yeah. Uh, to recap, uh, Frank in his rookie year against Indiana, it's my number three. My number two is Messier game six of the Eastern Conference finals in 94. Number one, Elway, the drive. Your top three is Josh, Josh Smith, Smith in the comeback,
1: <laughs> and then Justin Ruckty from the Rice Owls, yeah. and finally Mario Chalmers from the Heat's first. Ch- no, 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 uh, no. from uh, from Kansas.
0: <laughs> do you think? What do you think, Jason Ruck-D, Justin Ruckty. Did he ever? Did he ever get drafted? Or
1: oh yeah, yeah, he got drafted. He got drafted in like um like. I think like ninth round, I think it was somewhere in there. He went, he got up, he got up. um, He, well, he got out of the lower tiers of major league base. Like the, he got up uh, at least a couple levels, I think in the minors. I don't know if he ever made it to the show. Um, Okay. Well, I'm looking at his minor league stats. He,
0: he played for the low A ball
1: Everett, Something in the Northwest League. Oh yeah, I think he was. I think it was the Mariners that he okay. was. I think he was in their organization.
0: Uh, let me let me look at these teams. So at the, the Everett Aqua Sox, um, which could be the Mariners, like aqua colored socks. Um, he and he, you said he was a catcher. Yeah. Okay. So um, this is only in 21 games, probably the year he was drafted. 6.47 OPS. Uh, 2004. He's in the high A ball for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. God, I love minor league baseball team names. Uh, 583 OPS in 79 games. You know, and keep in mind for a catcher, you don't. It's it's a low bar. Then he's um okay. These are all affiliated with Seattle. You're right. Then he's playing for in the uh. that was regular A. Now in high A in 2005, the Inland Empire 66ers. Wow. uh, 60 games, 213 plate appearances. Not great numbers, 601 OPS. Um, He had six home runs that year. 211 batting average, 259 OBP, 342 slugging. So pretty poor numbers. And then, 2006, he's in Double A for the San Antonio Missions, and uh, only played 42 games that year. So, again and again and under 600 OPS, and that was it. He was in so four seasons of of minor league ball. So that's so cool.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome, and he. I don't know, and he he had that moment. I mean, that team had a lot of moments. There were mm-hmm. a lot of a that was a, it was an amazing team, an amazing year, but um, that one particular moment, he dine out on that forever. Um, I see.
0: Really? So this is from twenty twenty. Um, the Rice baseball Twitter account tweeted a highlight of him throwing somebody out, stealing a base.
1: He was a good, he was good a good defensive. defensive catcher. And he, the way I remember it, he like, he called the games. Okay. like he, he, um yeah, Graham gave him a lot of, uh, a lot of power, um a lot of authority. So, yeah, he was good. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we can get not a lot of major league, league spots,
0: not a lot of roster spots up there. No, it's, it's hard to make it to major leagues. So even, even, Toiling in the minors is something good. And they're trying to unionize now. So he would have made some money if he was a catcher now in the minors. Yeah. Maybe. All right. Any final thoughts, final words, final prayers?
1: Uh no. No, I think um it's good. I'm just I'm I'm fired up about mm-hmm. the, the, the season coming. Um to the point where I might even spring for league pass. Wow. I know. You gotta you gotta see some Jalen Smith.
0: Some I see,
1: yeah, exactly. Jabari Smith. Um, right? Jabari Jabari Smith. Um Jalen and and yeah, yeah, so yeah, that's it. That's it, just fired up. Fired up, ready to go.
0: You could, of course, follow me at Larry the Athlete on all social media, and you could subscribe to Larry Know Sports wherever you get your podcast. May all your dreams be hoop dreams, and may the rest of your days be days of thunder.